Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. So Vision Sunday Church, I'm excited. I'm excited. There's a lot going on tonight and and I can't wait to share it with you all. I'm going to move as fast as I can tonight because God has done extraordinary things through our little church plant in the last year. Extraordinary things. And it is a privilege to be here and sharing them with you. Just a few things behind us that God has been doing. Last year, this year, sorry, 2019 has been the year of more. We spoke in faith that God was calling us to more this year. And it seemed at the time we're going, ah, we've had a pretty good year already. I don't know, I don't know what's God going to do. And when you step out in faith, God steps in, in power. And God has done exceedingly and abundantly more than he said he would do. Let's have a, few, a look at a few things he has done. More than 3,000 times people have come through the door of Encounter Church. Not bad for a church plan in its first year. 736 times kids have come through. 465 times guests have come in, which is a credit to all of you and the way you've reached out to invite people. And many of you were once on our little guest list, and now you are part of this family. Nine people have given their life to Jesus for the first time in 2019. Praise God. Three baptisms as people took their faith that was private and made it public, and two baby dedications as parents said, this child will be raised in the house of God. Amen? What a year. But the best is yet to come. 2020, before we get to that, let me talk about a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. Who's heard of Muhammad Ali? Maybe the greatest boxer of all time, born Cassius Clay, which is also a pretty great name. Muhammad Ali uh, went on to become a multiple-time heavyweight champion, one of the greatest boxers of all time, a heavy hitter, but also an incomparable trash talker. Like one of the great talkers of all time. You've probably heard his famous quote about George Foreman. He says, I'm going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. George thinks he's going to... Hang on, I don't want to screw this up. It's so good. He said, I'll float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. What a guy. (laughs) Then he said, I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, and can't nobody beat me. He's just the best. He, He would trash people constantly. Why am I talking about Muhammad Ali? Well, for starters, Muhammad Ali was a titan of his day. He was a man that stood for things that other people wouldn't necessarily stand for. He was somebody who stood against the Vietnam War when it was still not entirely popular to do so, and especially to do it publicly as a black man. He put his career in jeopardy for that. In fact, he had to put his entire career on hold when he was threatened to be sent to jail. And he did that out of conviction, and he also did it while being the heavyweight champion of the world. And the reason we're talking about Muhammad Ali and we're talking about the heavyweight champion of the world is because as I was praying over 2020 and asking God what he wants for us next year, the word I got was heavyweights. Heavyweights in Counter Church. God is calling this little church plant not to be a little church plant in 2020. He's calling us to be heavyweights. Now, it worries me, but also kind of predicted the lack of response I'm getting for that. It's all right, it's all right. I'm not, I'm not telling you to like, cry out now. You can do that in a minute. But <laughs> the reason it worries me, because I think 
the problem with us considering ourselves heavyweights is half the time we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think we're spiritual lightweights. We think that we're not up to the challenge of whatever God has for us in 2020. We think, yeah, I, I look at the elders and I think they've probably got it. But when I go home, you don't know how broken I feel. But the beauty of a vision like being heavyweights encounter is all it does is forces us in our brokenness to lean on the one and only heavyweight that is Jesus Christ, who has done all the heavy lifting, who has completed the victory, who has made sure the battle has been done. Everything and anything has been completed in Jesus, not in us. It's not about how strong, how powerful, how much of a heavy hitter we are. It's about the one we stand behind. Jesus is the one who has the victory. Jesus is the true heavyweight. Now let's get to Romans for a second. I've got to cover a lot of ground quickly tonight. In the passage that Tom read, Paul is speaking to the church in Rome and reminding them that they have the power of God in them. No matter their situation or circumstance, they are conquerors through Christ. If God is for us, who can stand against us? And the question Paul was asking was not a rhetorical one for the Roman church. They were suffering. They were being persecuted. They were being thrown to the lions. They were being flogged. They were being jeered at and mocked. Persecution was very real. So when he comes through this passage where he's been talking about the afflictions that we suffer, and then he says, in all of this, who can stop us? The Romans would be putting their hand up and saying, well, like anybody, right? Anybody with authority can stop us. I feel like I've been stopped quite a lot already. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You have, but Christ hasn't, which means the ultimate victory has been won, which means no matter what your short-term setback is in Christ, the ultimate victory is won. Amen? Amen. Amen. But the Roman church was basically wrestling with the same issue that we have today. In a world that makes it much easier to run away from God than to God, much easier to live a life of independent rebellion than obedient submission to the way of Jesus, how do we believe what God has said and live in a way that is faithful to him? Not just in words, but in power, in deeds. How do we stay strong for Jesus in a culture of shifting sands? How do we live like spiritual heavyweights when we feel powerless? We feel like we don't have enough. Well, researchers David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock believe that the key issue is one of resilience. Now, David Kinnaman is a renowned author from the States. He's part of the Barna Group. Excellent, excellent read. He's done some recent research into millennials in the American church that grew up Christian. And this is what they found. Only one in 10 of American millennials that grew up Christian has what they would call a resilient faith. Now, that doesn't mean that 10% of American millennials are passionate Christians. It means that 10% of American millennial Christians are passionate. Now, that's pretty stark. In that, he runs quickly through these four different groups, and you see them up behind you. The first he calls prodigals. They grew up Christian, became ex-Christian. There's 22% of them. Then there's nomads. They still call themselves Christian, but they're unchurched. They're not a part of any community, and Christ calls us to be planted in community. That's 30%. Then there's another 30% that he calls habitual churchgoers, and these people are definitely Christian, but their faith is more about habits than it is about the heart. They make up about 38%. And then you've got the last 10%, the remnant, the resilient disciples. Now, resilient disciples are in it for life. They experience deep intimacy with God, 
They're passionate about their relationship with Jesus. They trust in the Bible. They're sold out for their local church. They're desperate to serve Jesus wherever they are, and they're personally involved in God's mission. And they only make up about 10% of churchgoers in America amongst millennials. Now, I don't tell you this to dishearten you. I tell it to you because the truth is our friend in Counter Church. And statistics tell us where we start, not where we're going. Only God tells us where we are going. So when we talk about vision, we need to know where we're starting because vision is not just about how far you see so much as what you're looking at. We can see as far as we like. I've known people with very, very big vision, but they've been looking at the wrong thing. It's not about what, how far you see. It is about what you are looking at. And I tell you this because God has always moved most powerfully from the margins. When Christians are a cultural minority, are under pressure, under persecution. And I tell you all this because God's plan for you is to be a resilient disciple. That's what he wants. He wants for each and every one of you to be desperately long-term in love with Jesus and living that out each and every day of their lives. That's what God wants for you. God is not interested in lip service. He's not a church on Sunday, God. He's a heart, mind, body, and soul 24-7 for the rest of your life, God. That's why when people slip up their hands to say yes to Jesus, there's a little part of me that's like, ooh, you don't know what you're in for. (laughs) All right, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be worth it. But okay, okay. This church, Encounter Church, is committed to you becoming a spiritual heavyweight. We are committed to see you becoming resilient disciples. And that is why, as our council and elders have gathered together and prayed and discerned over what this year is about, we have these four key aims. And the biggest and firmest one is to develop resilient disciples. So here we have our first lovely aim for 2020, developing resilient disciples coming to a church hall wall near you in the near future. Developing resilient disciples. Now, we've already talked about a little bit about what this looks like. Here's the outcome we want from developing resilient disciples. Our outcome is to create lifelong, self-replicating disciples. Now, why is that? Because when you follow Jesus, you're not in it for a minute, you're not in it for a Sunday, you are in it for life. Yeah, spoilers to those who just said yes at four to a little voice in their heart. You're in this for life. This is a lifelong discipleship thing. But to do that, it's not just about following Jesus for your life. It's about helping others do the same. And one of the things Paul says to do, and it's a huge challenge, he says in one of his letters to the Corinthian church, he says, I urge you, I'm sending you Timothy, who's like a son to me, so that you'll know how to imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying my level of imitation is so strong as I follow Jesus that I'll send you my disciple to teach you how to be a disciple of me, teaching you how to be a disciple of Jesus. He's saying keep turning, keep fixing your eyes on Jesus and become a self-replicating disciple. Have the kind of life so powerful, so compelling, so desperately in love with Jesus that people can do nothing else but say, I want my life to look more like that. And then they begin to follow you. You become self-replicating, you become multiplying. This is awesome. And it's really the heart of our church. So we are going to be incredibly strategic about this next year. I've got a bit more that will open up early next year about what that looks like as we go through it as an eldership. But here are two things I'm really excited about in 2020. Here's the first one. We are going to continue to ramp up a focus on internships in 2020. Now, you have heard me bang on about internships a lot. I know. 
I need to tell you two things. Number one, we do not need numbers, right? We don't need extra numbers. We're fine. We have enough. We're okay. Number two, we don't make any money. We lose money. We budget money for internships, okay? We invest in internships. I'm telling you about internships week after week because it has been the most successful, consistent way of producing disciples who are desperately in love with Jesus. People who walk in, I hear that, amen, come on. (laughs) People who walk in at the start of it going, I don't know whether I'm in for this, and walk out at the end going, I'm so sold out for Jesus. Whatever his call is, that's what I want. And so I know it's a big commitment to say, I'll give up a day a week. It's a huge commitment for me and Jen. We say a day of our week, again, as Jared said, it's kind of an unpaid day, is going towards investing in discipling a small group of people. Because we know at the end of it, what happens? There are disciples that self-replicate. And that's what we're about. If God is tapping you on the shoulder about internship, you need to say yes. It's a big commitment but it can be done. I want to encourage and challenge you in that. Is God calling you to step into internship in 2020? So we are going to ramp that up. It is such a critical discipleship and leadership incubator. What if you can't? What if like Jared here, our beloved chair of elders, who not only works full time, but has kind of done an internship over three years as we planted a church really anyway. What if you just can't? Well, who do you need to tap on the shoulder? for them to pray about doing an internship. There is no one we won't consider, right? Nobody. We just want people to be praying and discerning, is this what I want to do to supercharge my faith in 2020? That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. This is exciting and this is brand new. In 2020, Encounter is launching its second service. We are pumped to be launching this. It's time. We had a baby dedication the other week, and we all gathered together, and our prayer was basically, Lord, can we fit them? Amen. (laughs) By the grace of God, this church is growing, and it is growing, and and God is doing good things. We want to start a morning service to reach people that uh, reach more families, to reach people that it is easier for them to attend in the morning. If you're a shift worker, to make it easy for you to attend whenever is best for you. This is a way that we are going to step out in faith to see God grow this church. And for some of you, what you might need to pray about is, is God calling you, tapping you on the shoulder to be part of the launch team for this service, to commit to being part of the morning service for a period of time, or maybe just committing to being part of it. This becomes your service. What's God tapping you on the shoulder about? Now, we're looking for people who are willing to pray as well, willing to hear God's voice in that. So that is the first thing we are about. Our first visionary goal, number one, is to develop resilient disciples. Consider what your action might be. Here is our second visionary goal for 2020. Let's see if this works. Ish. Culturally engaged leaders. Culturally engaged leaders. In 1 Chronicles 12, the writer talks about the 12 tribes of Israel, and he gets to this tribe called the tribe of Issachar, and he gives the following interesting comment. He says, the people of Issachar were people who understood the times and knew what their country had to do. They understood the times and they knew what had to be done. Similarly, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees in Luke's gospel. He says, you're able to read the weather and the skies, but you can't read the situation around you. You don't know your own Time. German philosophers talk about each era having a zeitgeist, 
What a great word. Isn't German? I love German. Such a good language. Lisa loves it. Zeitgeist, though, genuinely an amazing word. It means the spirit of the age, right? It literally means like the ghost of the age, right? Put together. Zeitgeist. An incredible word. And what it points to is that every age that you and I live in, there's a period of time and it has a particular cultural spirit, a cultural movement. It's like an epoch. There is something happening that we need to pick up. Now, why culturally engaged leaders? Because we as Christians can be very good at just putting our, putting our head down in the sand and trying to follow Jesus and ignoring what's going on in the world around us. And the world around us is as fluid and confusing and up in arms and polarizing as it has been at least through any time in my life. I reckon any time for at least the last 50 years. I would say probably the early 60s to late 60s. You're in 70 years, Brant. You reckon this is worse than the 60s? All right, he says yes, and he lived it. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. We live in a time of shifting sands. If you are somebody who follows Jesus and at some point over the last three to five years, you've thought to yourself, I feel totally overmatched. I feel like I I don't know how to communicate to the people around me about my faith. I don't know how to engage with controversial topics. I don't know how to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with me without it turning into an all-out war. And of course, by war, I mean like digital war. Nobody's actually meeting in person anymore. Present company excluded. No shots of the podcast. <laughs> Love you, podcasters. But in every era, whether it's confusing or not, God is calling Christians to remain faithful to what he is calling them to do, to understand and discern the spirit of the age. And in every era, from the birth of Christ to this day, the church of God moves forward. The question is, are we advancing it or not? That's the question. So we want culturally engaged leaders. That's our second focus in 2020. Leaders who know the times and live for Christ. Our aim as a church is to equip you to follow Jesus wherever you are. So if you're a plumber, we want to equip you to be the best follower of Jesus and plumber that you can be. If you're a researcher, to be the best researcher and follower of Jesus you can be. If you're a son or a mother or a student or a barista, and of course you are, millennials, bless you. Of course you're baristas. And I love you for it. But we want you to be the best Jesus-following barista, student, son, mother you can be in Jesus' name because your mission is your vocation. Every part of life is mission. All of it. That is our privilege to share with Jesus. So this is about living and leading faithfully in a secular world. Not angrily, faithfully. Not easily, faithfully. Living faithfully in a secular world. So here's two things I'm excited about in 2020 about this. Number one, we're doing a series in March called Faith at Work which is specifically targeted to help you in your vocation as a, as a student, as a part-time worker, full-time worker, stay-at-home parent, whatever, retiree, to equip you for how to follow Jesus and share your faith in that place. So we're not just equipping you for how to be pastors. You know, I hope some of you do become pastors, but for those that don't, how do you follow Jesus in your place? This is going to equip you. This could be the sort of thing that actually transforms your life. The, the kind of tool that helps you go from churchgoer to disciple. Here's the second thing. Early next year, there is a tour of a podcast called This Cultural Moment. We have, this, is, this has nothing to do with us, and it's got a bigger cheer than anything I've said so far. 
this cultural moment is required listening for followers of Jesus in 2019. Required listening. That's not a joke. If you need to get on your podcast provider right now and download it, I'll make the time. It is that good. In terms of how to read the times and understand how to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus in them, nothing is going to beat this cultural moment. Mark Sayers from Melbourne, John Mark Comer from Portland, Oregon, they get together, have a chat about it, about uh, post-Christian living. And in 2020, in February, they're going to come to Adelaide. I won't give you a date because this is a recorded podcast and I was told that in confidence, but it is coming and it's going to be early next year and we are going to all, as many as possible, get there. Now, why am I saying this from the platform? Because we had a big event that we were going to do as a culturally engaged leaders idea and we've shoved the whole thing down a year. I'm not even going to tell you about it for another year. We've shoved the whole thing back a year because this will be that good. That's how good this is. We've put an entire event on hold for it because we want you to learn about how to be culturally engaged leaders. So how do we become a church of culturally engaged leaders? Because this might be a new concept and some of you are still staring at me going, I don't know what you're talking about really. And that's fair enough. We'll work through this. Well, here's what you do to start with. You stop and ask the question, where am I wrestling in my life right now with what it means to follow Jesus? And then you tell us. Because that's what we want to preach into. This is the stuff we want to train and equip you in and encourage and uplift you in. We don't just want to talk for the sake of talking. We want to get up here and go, okay, this is something our people are wrestling with and are needing answers for and are walking towards. Let's do it. Let's go down that. We need your feedback in this. So one of the things that we'd love you to commit to doing, all of you, is to tell us where you need to grow. Tell us. Communication. But also pray. Pray. Because we are not against this world. We are part of this world. And the kingdom of God is not about rejecting the world, but about transforming and redeeming it into God's kingdom, not the one that currently stands. Just needs a new king, that's all. So that is about our second goal. Let's look at our third quickly. Our third goal for 2020. Contending in prayer. Our outcome for contending in prayer is we want to be praying on purpose. Praying on purpose. We've just done a whole series on prayer. Why? Because there is a whole lot of stuff going on in the spiritual realm that we need to press into. If you are tired and weary as a church... If you feel like as a follower of Jesus, you've been walking and you're getting tired, you're probably taking too much on yourself and not giving enough to Jesus. He's the one that takes our burdens for us. We contend in prayer because there are things that only God can do. And Ephesians 6 reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. No, our struggle is really against evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Now that might seem a bit full on, but it's just a recognition that there's a whole lot going on that we can't see, we can't touch, we don't fully understand. And we need to cry out and say, God, only you can deal with this. So we will pray, 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 pray on our knees. To be spiritual heavyweights, what we really need to do is trust in God, trust in his promises, trust in his faithfulness, trust in his goodness, trust that he can and will do what he says he will do in your life. He will trust him. So what are we going to do about this, about becoming People who contend in prayer, contending in the spiritual realm, what only God can do. Well, here's a few things. Starting straight after Christmas, we've got a new series called Hearing God. One of the most consistent questions I'm asked from people who are fairly new to the faith is this, how do I actually hear from God? How do I actually hear the voice of God? Well, we're going to 
give you a month to doing this. There's a whole book based around it. It's called Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio. It's in Kurong. It's on Amazon. It's on Book Depository. Get a copy of it because we're really working through that. Encounter Book Club in full force. Come on, nerds. Who's with me? Encounter Book Club in full force. Just me then. Okay. (laughs) Encounter Book Club is going to be in full swing. And I just encourage you, have a read of this over the summer. Some of you will be away for some of these weeks. We know how January happens. That's okay. But if you pick up the book, and read through it with us, you'll be staying on track. Listen to the podcast, read the book. You'll be staying on track, and you will learn to hear from God. And this, Christians, is what we should want to do, more than maybe anything else. Because it's not enough just to be speaking to God. We don't want God to do what we want. You think you do, but we actually don't. What we want is to do what God wants. And that is what transforms the world. So we need to hear from God in order to do that. We're going to reinstitute our monthly prayer nights. Now, I'm really excited about this. We used to have weekly prayer nights, Jen and Jez and I pretty much, and that was kind of it. <laughs> and, and Jen and I had a whole bunch of weeks where we would just be there by ourselves, and honestly, we'd be going, uh, this, is a, this is a bit boring. It's just the two of us. We're just kind of sitting here. And Grace, our daughter, used to, started coming out. And she'd say, oh, can I, can I, because kids, they get it. They know how to pull the strings. They're like, Mom, Mom, Dad, is it okay if I pray with you for an hour? I know it's past my bedtime, but it's praying. I'm like, yeah, well played, kid, well played. They know. So she comes out, and she's just kind of sitting there quietly, and she'd get distracted, and then she'd go away. And then she'd come out, and she'd stay for the full hour. And then she'd come out, and she'd bring her Bible, and she'd be reading her Bible, and then she'd start reading little quotes. There's these highlighted verses in her Bible, and she'd start reading them. And then she would start praying out loud. There'd be a gap as we're not talking, and Grace would lean in and just start praying off her own back. She'd start saying, God, I'm just praying for this. I'm, I'm asking for this. Then someone would talk about needing for healing. She would come over, lay a hand on them, and start praying for healing. Then she started praying prophetically over us, saying, I just saw a vision, and it was like this, and this is what God's saying. Over the course of about eight months, Grace went from somebody who was just trying to avoid going to bed to somebody who was praying prophetically as a 10-year-old over her parents. This is the power of prayer. And for some of you, all you need to do is say, you know what? I'm going to commit to trying to get to these monthly prayer nights. Not even weekly like they used to be. Monthly. Just monthly. But enough time to gather together and storm the gates of heaven together. There is power in unity. There is power in prayer when the believers gather together. Now, we do weekly 11 a.m. prayer with our interns as well. If you're in the area, join us. We don't mind. The more the merrier. We pray out loud. We contend in prayer for what God is doing. And we just ask God to move in a powerful way. We pray for healing. We pray for the church of this whole country. We pray for the poor and the downtrodden. We pray for everybody. And then we throw it on social media and go, if you've got prayer requests, tell us. And people do. So we pray for them. It's amazing. And I would encourage you, if you're free at 11 on a Wednesday, drop by. We'd love it. Love people to join us. One other thing we're doing is church-wide prayer and fasting before we launch our AM service next year. We're going to have a time, this is something we do as a church, of praying and fasting together and pressing in and saying, God, I'm just sacrificing this time and all I'm asking is speak. Speak, we pray. Speak and move. More than anything, though, begin to put into practice what our Teach Me to Pray series taught us, to pray what we've got. Just pray what you've got. But pray intentionally. Pray on purpose and watch what God can do. And pray for your plus ones. Here's one of your actions. Commit to praying for a plus one. One person who doesn't yet know Jesus and is on your heart to pray for. All right, our final goal for 2020. 
We're going to spend the year concentrating on these. And that's this. Hearts on fire for Jesus. Because it's believing in Jesus that gives us eternal life, but it's actually being filled with the spirit that makes life worth living. And it's actually going, I want my entire life to be devoted to Jesus, to have my heart lit on fire again. And for those of us, some of us have walked with Christ for a long time. We're like, I believe in you, but I've gotten a little comfortable with you. I'm just a bit familiar with you. I walk in, I sit down in my armchair, and you're over there, and that's fine. God is calling us to renewal. If you want to see something amazing happen to Australia, to the world, in the image of Christ, and I pray you do, church. This is what we should be praying for, to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray for. Then you've got to start with personal renewal, because corporate revival always begins with personal renewal. God wants to do a work, not just in the world, but in your heart, and then send you into the world. Oh, that's a bit harder, isn't that? But that's what God wants. He's not just doing a work over there that we clap at from church. God's sending us, filled with the Spirit, empowered by God, out into the world to build His kingdom. That's the privilege of the believer. That is the privilege of the believer. He's chosen you. He's chosen me. Old bones are coming to life again. Old bones are coming to life again. This is what David Kinnaman, the researcher we talked about before, said, the first practice of resilient discipleship uncovered in our research amongst young adults who stand the course is a transformational experience of Jesus. To translate that into encounterees, it's having an encounter with Jesus having an encounter with Jesus. It's time to set your hearts on fire for Jesus again. Now, why should you do that? What's coming up next year? Well, we're starting with the launch of Encounters Youth Ministry. How good! Sowing into teenagers at the time of life when they desperately need it. We will invest, we will commit, we will give budget, we will give staff time, we will pour ourselves out to see the next generation know Jesus. We will, if you want to see your heart set on fire for Jesus, ask one of your friends to come to church and watch them come to faith. If you want to grow, watch someone else give their life to Jesus. Salvations are where the heart is stirred again. That's what we need in personal renewal, and that's what we will see with teenagers. There are so many competing things in their world. We want to say there's one thing we want to put in front of you, the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let's put that in front of you and help you to pick that up. This is not going to be your grandma's youth ministry. Okay, this is going to look a little bit different. It is going to be discipleship-based because we want to make resilient disciples. We're going to have tons of fun. Relax, okay? We're not just going to sit in a circle and read Scripture. But we are going to be focused on developing these young people's disciples for the long term. We're going to get out into schools and share the love of Christ in schools in practical ways, playing games with them, encouraging them, helping them out with social services that they desperately need. We cannot wait and we need people to get among it. Here's the second thing we're going to do. I talked about bringing your friends to faith and how that will transform your own faith. We've got a method that we are going to bring out that we've seen work in many other churches called the Discovery Bible Method, which I can't wait to unroll because it is a package that you can pick up no matter how confident you feel and lead somebody to Jesus. Because it's not about memorizing anything. And it's not about knowing your lines, and it's not about knowing heaps. It's about having a friend that you can ask to read the Bible with and just starting reading the Bible. You don't need to know anything else apart from the bit you read. You don't have to tell your friend this is the first time you've ever opened your Bible, that your mum gave it to you when you were a kid. And, Romans, huh, 
There you go. If it was a book, you know, you don't have to tell them that. You just read that passage together and ask, what did you notice? It's that simple. We're going to talk about this more next year. I don't want to get stuck on that. But I promise you, no matter who you are, you can find a way to make this work for you. I promise you. Great stories about this. We'll talk about that more when we roll it out. Another thing to set your heart on fire for Jesus, Compassion Sunday. The week before Easter, we're having our first ever Compassion Sunday. We're having, from Compassion Australia, we're having a guest speaker who is a former Compassion kid, now works for Compassion, to come and share how child sponsorship transformed their life. We are going to have an opportunity for all of you to sponsor children from the same place in the world so that we, as a church, can begin to have a sustained impact. We're building a partnership with Compassion that will let us go across and visit those children to sow into them as people, not just as ideas that make us feel good for donating to them, and build relationships that stand the test of time. It will change your hearts. It will change your life. So that's what we've got to look forward to, as well as other partnerships that are, include financial support, prayer support, mission trips, church partnerships. It's going to be great. One more thing. Hearts on fire for Jesus. Baptisms. In February next year, we've got more baptisms. Can I tell you, we need to be more excited about baptisms than that. Because baptisms are what happens when somebody who has said yes to Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to stand out here in front of my family and friends and tell them why. And when that happens, people go, jeepers, really? I just thought he was going a bit weird and, and, you know, just into spiritual things. And you're going, no, 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 I am. But the spiritual thing I'm into specifically is Jesus. I'm, I'm not just loving generally. I'm loving because of the love I've been given from Jesus, who said in him I'm more than a conqueror. So for some of you, maybe you've found faith this year. Maybe you've been developing your faith. Maybe you've never been baptized before. This is an action point for you. Maybe you need to get baptized. So your action could be to take the plunge into baptism, and it could be to commit to a deep spiritual friendship. Now, this is another thing I talked about recently, and I don't want to go over it too much. But for, our, for me, Tex and Lee and myself, we meet together every week. We pray. We uplift each other as men, as husbands, as followers of Jesus. We challenge each other. We read scripture together one hour, once a week. It's changing our lives, building us as disciples. Maybe this is what you need, something where you become a follower of Jesus for the long term, from habitual church, go at a lifelong, resilient disciple, from something like this. And I challenge you, develop a spiritual friendship, one where you can be pushed back against. Okay. So we come to a close. In 2020, encounter focusing on these four things, developing resilient disciples, culturally engaged leaders, contending in prayer, and hearts on fire for Jesus. So what is your action point? Because it's not enough just to feel good. It's not just enough to go, oh, that's a good idea. We actually need to take concrete steps towards where God is wanting us to go. Now, maybe as you've been praying, as you've been thinking, as I've been speaking, God's put something else in your mind. You're like, oh, wow, this is something I have to do in 2020. It's totally different, but it's something else. Write that down right now. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a photo and send it to Encounter Adelaide on, on Instagram or Facebook. Better yet, throw it up in your story. If it's not heaps personal and you just want to be held accountable, put it up in your Instagram story. 
so that people know what God is doing in this church. But send it to us for accountability and then take that piece of cardboard and tuck it away in your phone cover or just keep that photo and make it a background on your phone, put it in your wallet. Don't put it in your handbag, you'll never see it again. But, but put it somewhere where you will find it and hold on to it. Commit yourself, not me, you, to what God's challenging you to tonight. Take a minute to do that right now. It all comes back to becoming resilient disciples. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.